to bat. Yeah, we're we're 15 seconds in. I think we're good. Okay. okay. Welcome to Westworld, season three, episode six, Decoherence. Uh, it was incoherent in parts, but it maybe decoherent. It, I, but it was a. I mean, I don't know about you. I thought it was a fantastic episode of TV. Uh, I was gripped the whole time. I was invested in the characters. It's what I wanted out of my uh, my Westworld all season. And uh, maybe it's just I just need no Caleb, Dave. Yeah, like, uh, well, we were missing Caleb in this episode. Maybe we weren't. Um, I think I was glad just to be back with Maeve and moving her storyline along. I think that was big uh, for me. I think that they, we had some some uh, deaths in this episode um, to talk about. Uh, a lot to unpack here. The, the man in black or the man in white. Uh wrestling with his demons and now is teamed up uh, i guess with with bernard and Stubbs for the next episode i guess that's where they're moving his story next but uh yeah this was a lot of man in black or the man in white whatever he's going by these days we'll call him william um and uh more of this uh what you know very clearly is going to be this ultimate confrontation between dolores and mave um that's where this is all heading we've been kind of saying that like it's it, you know where, at what point are we going to get to that is it this season that the big confrontation is and i think that first blood was drawn here um with the death of hector who is seemingly gone and uh, don't forget uh hale's uh husband and uh and son the, the those were also two big deaths tonight but uh we are here on uh supermater bros podcasting podcasting <laughs> West world tonight we are uh we are recapping everything that's happened so far and uh, and uh, of course this episode so we are getting uh, we'll sort of start it with kind of like uh where it started here and uh the first thing we get here is with sarak mm -hmm. and Maeve in the the kind of like afterlife you know the time beyond that we ended in season two that's where we start the episode so you know it's you know they always have that gladiator motif with the with the wheat and you know the it, i think it just symbolizes like the the heaven for the ai but what you that, that, that great beyond setting yes yeah. right yeah like it's that's that's how we've come to understand what their their heaven like the host paradise is sort of represented by visually right so you know we have a conversation there with Sarak and Maeve um just talking to you know they're basically just talking about you know do you want to stay here is this something that you want because Dolores is probably going to destroy this so you should come help me because I'm going to destroy your kind in the real world anyway so you know it's all going to hell anyway you might as well help me Basically, that's what he said. Your only, right? your only chance is to help me or to work with me. Right. Um, and she says, um, I don't need a motivation. Um, I just need help. I, I want a fair, I want a better chance at winning because her first uh, showdown with uh, Dolores uh, didn't go so well for her. So she, got, I, yeah, I guess I, I kind of forgot what had happened to me, but she got stabbed in the heart by Sato Dolores. And so I guess she lost her body. And so she's in this, she's back in the ether. Um, talking to Serac and other, later to others, uh, Hector and Sizemore. We have had more AI projection Serac than we've had actual human Serac on screen. Every single time Serac is shown, he's not real. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's ever in the room with anybody, right? 
The only time they showed him, I think, when he was real today tonight was when he took out of his ear pods that were projecting himself in, in the board uh, board meeting room, which we'll get to later. But, but he uh, was upstairs, right? Because I, like, I think he was in the same building. <laughs> yeah. So was he in the in the in the first scene in that boardroom? Is he he when he gets out of like the the helicopter, or the plane? That's that has to be him, right? Yeah. Um. Unclear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah like, as we learned is yeah so she like yeah she had like it, we think it's a bomb that he's she's that hale's going to kill everybody with but it turns out it's a gas uh poison gas but he's not there anyway so he's he's not too worried about it no with uh, a trillionaire you just have an unending army of people uh of stooges to send to people right so my question is why why is it like why does it start with Maeve in the Great Beyond setting and then all of a sudden now she's back in War World? You know, I know it's still a simulation, but why is it now she's in War World? Is it just so we get to meet the other cast of characters and we get to show off Maeve? Is that, is that really the only reason? I think it's still for I think we need a reason to come to, like if we want to get Sizemore and Hector back on this show, that's where we left them. They're in that like they don't physically exist. Right. Uh well, I guess Hector sort of did. We saw his body in this episode, but um, but yeah, like that she wants help to to go. So I think she asked to be sent there. I think like her, she was sort of in the queue. I don't think that she necessarily would have gone back there unless she needed to recruit people, um, and that's why she went there. That's, yeah, she she says to Serac, uh, I, "I I want what Dolores has," and Serac says, "Well, what is that?" And she says, "Help." And I'm guessing that's when Serac goes, "Okay, well then I'll send you back to War World. You go get your help." Yeah, so at first, like, so then when she ends up in more world life, that she was taking on, like, the, the group of Nazis? Yes. I thought, like, oh, she's going to recruit this, like, group of Nazis to be her, like, little army in the real world, but no, she just, I guess, wanted to blow off some steam. They couldn't do that. They couldn't, they, you know, they can't, they can't make Nazis look the good guy in any way whatsoever. <laughs> but that, but that would, that's kind of establishing Maeve as not the villain, right? If they had given her the Nazi army, that she would have been definitely a villain. Well, I mean, th we can get, we'll get to the whole villain versus hero thing later, but because Dolores makes it very clear that none of us are villains, none of us are heroes, you know, which is very true to what Westworld is. You shades know? of gray. Yeah, everybody is a shade of gray. Even the man in black slash white even says in this episode, I'm the good gray. guy. You know? he's, so, gray. he's the good guy. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing, you know, he's going to be the man in gray pretty soon. You know, so. he's he's like the Gandalf of Westworld. Yeah, he starts off, uh, you know, runs the whole gamut of the black to white to gray spectrum. Yeah, so so we get her in Warworld, and then uh, she's talking to you know. Well, first she does her whole little trick where she you know takes control of all the Nazis' guns, which is pretty cool. And she says something like, you know, now now you have to warm a girl up before you you know get your you know pull out your weapon, which I thought was a good line. Um. <laughs> you know so she shows off her whole her whole uh power and then she goes into a bar and then she ends up um meeting with us uh sizemore right so he's part like he yeah she got sizemore uh so after she left the simulation the simulation kept running like this war world simulation kept running so but sizemore was sort of left in this simulation knowing he wasn't real but apparently uh, not being able to do much about it other than to just drink nonstop inside the simulation. He even programmed the hosts not to even really realize he was there. 
Yeah, because yeah, I don't know how he did that other than you know he was the writer, and I guess maybe he would have some sort of access to the code. I don't know if he explains that. I forget. But well, in, yeah, in that simulation, he's like yeah, the head writer for Westworld slash Warworld slash whatever. Right. Um, now, did you know that Hector is, and it's apparently it's said in the first or second season that Hector is uh, the the embodiment of everything that Sizemore wished he was. He's like. This, like you know, it's like if you wrote a character like uh, Superman, that's what Hector is to Sizemore. You know, it's like it's me at my absolute best. But, but Hector was a villain, so it wasn't uh, originally right in the in the original Westworld story. Right, I think he says in season one that Hector is like if I was like you know an Adonis, and if I was like if if I could see myself as being like even a villain or just cool, you know, like kind of like you know if you were. You imagine yourself as Scarface, you know, like you know, Scarface. Right. Person, like you, you wish you were Scarface, or whatever, right? Kind of character that can do anything, like, and happens to and is a villain, right? So, but that's like his as a writer. That's one of his favorite creations, right? And so I see, you know, uh, because later in the episode we know that um, Dolores uh, kills uh, Hector by crushing his brain ball, and so I think that we could see. Uh, Hector come back, but Sizemore in Hector's body type thing. Because uh, you know they do tease that uh, we're gonna we're getting help for Maeve later on in the episode. So I, that's my theory. So um, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, I I, I was getting the, under the impression she was making bodies for both of them, for Sizemore and for Hector, and Hector just got killed by Hail Dolores. Right. So he's just got to replace the brain. Yeah, so I, I think that Sizemore will show up as a host in the next episode under uh, working with Maeve. In in Hector's body? No, maybe. I, I think it's more likely it will just be in the Sizemore body. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I think because he envisioned himself as Hector, that that's what's going to happen. But we'll see. So then we get uh, then we go see uh, go visit the man in white, and. Some yep. of my favorite stuff of the episode was uh, everything to do with the man in white and I, uh, just some of the lines that this guy came up with that humanity is a thin layer of bacteria. That a ball of dirt flying through space. A ball and of mud hurtling through the void. Yeah. Some of the lines <laughs> he comes up with in this episode that the, the humanity is a, a corpse that and we're the maggots or the, and we're just eating at the corpse. He, he has a very low opinion of hu humans, humanity, where they're going, their future, he basically doesn't care. He's a man defeated. What do you call somebody like this? I think there's got to be some kind of philosophical... It's a misanthrope, but it's like it's more than that, right? It's like he's kind of... He hates hu humans and... Well, yes. Yeah, so he goes, I think if there were a god, he would have given up on us long ago. Like, I, you know, I've heard these kinds of speeches in other fiction, works of fiction, things like that from characters who, to kind of explain their villainly, villainy, I suppose, um, why they, why that, why they do, how could they be so malevolent? Uh, and you understand that William, the man in black is, yeah, like very disenfranchised with the human experience, maybe always was, right? Because, you know, but he spent most of his life around rich assholes, too so it's but he had a real it seemed like he had a real connection with his wife and daughter but even he destroyed that right um and I, well we, we'll get to the whole the many 
the many multiple personalities and and that that was really well done even though that kind of trope has been done before in lots of other works of fiction uh i really enjoyed that but yeah his his he's not in a good place when we when we pick up with William here in the uh, in the asylum. No, and he doesn't like other people. He says to another guy, "You know, you're here just to speed the entropic death of this planet." <laughs> he, he basically he basically thinks the world's coming to an end, and uh, you know, there's evidence to support that's what's going to happen because once Rehoboam is destroyed by Dolores, which is probably going to happen, the world's going to go to hell, and you know, so he's on board. <laughs> you know, like he, he's he's he he believes it's inevitable. Basically, is what he is saying here. Uh, that, yeah, well, that there are the what does he say? We're maggots eating a corpse, right? Like that's our purpose. Our purpose is to destroy the world. That's why humanity exists. To service the chaos, he says. To service the chaos. Yeah, I don't know. Like whatever, William. Sure. Um, you don't believe, I, you don't you don't agree with him? I. Uh, Yes and no. I agree with some things he's saying, but generally, overall, I do not subscribe to his philosophy. No, no. I don't subscribe to it, but I understand where he's coming from within this world, the West world, where everything's this like futuristic, predetermined life that uh, it, not, not, not so much for him. He seemed to get by, but now he's been put into this mental institution, so now he's just one of the rest of them. And, and so I think that's why his des uh, uh, disposition has changed so much because he's now one of the maggots, and he doesn't like that. <laughs> he, he liked being... <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah, that's tr probably true. Um, and maybe explains things. But some great some great performances here by Ed Harris, holy... Um, oh, yeah, he chewed that scenery so good. Right, and like, I think that the show is really, like, kind of uh, left wanting for him in these episodes where he hasn't been in them. Uh, he hasn't been in the show enough, uh, because I think he is... He just—he's just a fun guy to watch play this role, um, and like in the same way that like that uh, uh, Dandy Newton is fun to watch play Maeve. He's fun to watch as the Man in Black. He's um, my favorite actor, like on, on the show, as far as the performance that he gives with this role. He—he—he he, he is a fun villain, and that, those are my favorite characters. Are the fun villains where you just. Yeah, like there's a scene later on when he's talking to the five versions of himself or the four versions of himself, whatever it is, and he's beating the crap out of Jimmy Sim Simpson, and uh, he, he's like that scene is so funny with Delos, and I don't know, just like you're you're having fun with like they they having fun with this villainy character, and I, I love it. They don't they don't change him. They don't go away from what he is. They just explain, you know. And especially in this episode, they did a lot of that. Uh, for sure, yeah. Like we we got to come back. We got to come back to the to the Men in Black uh, stuff. Uh, in particular, the, they brought um, the actor who plays the young version back, right? Um, Jimmy, Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy Simpson. Uh, we talk. We got to talk about that. That was a, there's a lot to unpack with that. Yeah. Uh, so the next scene is uh, Ed Harris talking to Alina from Lost, the the psychiatrist here at the Inner Journeys um, Mental Institution. Um, so, uh, so we learned some things in this scene, but one of them is, um, you know, they're talking about his daughter, but they're also talking about the fact that we find out that, um, uh, the man in black, like apparently like Caleb is one of these cases as like basically un uh, what's the word rehabilitation. Uh, you can't re rehab this guy. Like he's so far gone. 
that there's no bringing him back from his own mind, basically, which I thought was interesting because we, you know, we didn't get Caleb in this episode, but I think we're, he was also in the same facility being treated the exact same way. Cause we get that from a few of the flashbacks. So I'll be interested to see once Caleb goes there or Caleb finds out about more about that, what exactly occurred to him. Um, I know I'm kind of, you know, a couple of <laughs> Uh, our dad is uh, chiming in and he said that, uh, you know, he doesn't know anything about this show, but he thought he would, uh, you know, uh, throw it robots are coming to get us. And it's been done by a couple of corporate hacks. Um, yeah. yeah but... <laughs> back, back to the, uh, the scene with the psychiatrist though. Um, you know, he, he says to her, you don't have the fucking slightest clue what happened to me in the park. And she's like, yeah, I don't. Only you do. Only you know your inner journey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So what did you think of that whole scene? The scene with the psychiatrist? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like nothing too like that I wasn't expecting. However, uh, I think what makes the scene interesting more so is that uh, you know we get the tie-in with the the bigger plot, which is that you know uh, Dolores released all the information from the Rehoboam system, and that um, has you know had this tremendous immense effect on on society. Of course, like everyone's kind of like their lives have been destroyed mostly by this. I haven't seen anybody's life improved, maybe other than Caleb's, by the release of that information. Um, and well, Caleb already knew his, 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 the, that information. Right. Well, yeah, he got it a couple days before everybody else did, but they effectively all got the same reveal he did. Right? Yeah. Something about them that was like, you know, this is where you're going to end up in life and it's maybe not pretty, right? Um, you know, this is how what your story is. Well, you know, it's clear that others didn't. Um, but when she finds out, what I, you know, you see, it comes up on her phone very quickly. So she becomes very distracted in this like session with uh, with the man in black. And so I guess the reveal of her of her like path or her data um, showed that she that they were going to end in divorce one day. Her and her husband. I think that's what it said. Yeah, and I think that their their son died or something like that. Or no, no, no. That he was like they were going to get divorced one day. So her, her, her husband was just taking the kids or something. Um, yeah, know, it happened. It came up on screen so fast. I don't yeah. know. If get- well, I'll, I'll get to it in the episode. But you know, before that, you know, he goes. You know, the man in black, white, the man in black, is also saying um, how. You know, he didn't need any therapy. He knew what he did. He knew he was turned around. He was confused when he killed his daughter. It was playing the game. He said, you know, he, he he's kind of like. Basically saying like I don't need any help. I I I have my pain, and you're not gonna fucking figure this out for me. You know, talking to me in a chair, like you know, like he 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 doesn't want any self self discovery whatsoever. And and we find out later why that is. Um, but it's interesting just his defiance to even under like really coming to terms with everything. Um, yeah, I, I got the information what, what she learned here. Okay, uh, so what, the message that came up was that she will lose her license to practice within two years, and that she's out a risk for affairs with her patients and opioid addiction. Mm. Uh, so for her, I guess that, so that I don't know how her husband got her profile information, but I guess it was just kind of everybody's was released together, um, and so she, 
so in the Florida that she recommends him for AR treatment, and we don't know what that is. Uh, I guess it's augmented reality is what it turns out to be. Right? Um, what what, what um, William's going through later in the episode. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll, we see what, we'll, we'll catch up with what happens. Uh, she does not take that news too, uh, too well, as you can no, imagine. No, because she knows how awful that augmented reality is. She also knows that, you know, I think once you find out that like kind of like William in this episode. Once you find out that you you know your future, but you also once you come to grips with your future, which is what is happening to the man in white in this episode, you start to you get dejected and you don't care anymore. Like if you found out you're gonna die in ten years, one day or whatever it was, right? Your your the your your will to live would be different. You know what? Do you know what I mean? Right. But if I had that, okay, I like if an event like this happened and everybody got that kind of information on the sa- at the same moment like this, like then everybody's life has now been changed because all that information is now public and everyone's going to have a different reaction to that, and people are going to whatever you if you if you tell somebody that they're this, then they're going a lot of people just go the exact opposite way just to spite you, um, and so. And uh, you know, others. I mean, maybe there is like a sort of an inevitability to some people's nature and where they're probably going to end up. But that's well, that, all probabilities. And but that's all the question of this episode is: Did you know? Did the park do it to William, or did he do it to the park? I mean, they bring up that philosophical question, and it's a very important question, and it's not answered. I mean, I think we're going to find out later what what you know, maybe what the answer is or the theory. But for now, we're we don't really know. You know, that's all. You're, you know, you, I, you could say one thing and I could say the other, and we'd both be right right now. You know, we can make justifications for either point. Uh, Jimmy Simpson wants to know where's that salty guy? He's the star of your podcasts. Well, I mean, you, start watching Westworld. Watch Westworld. <laughs> you can be right here with us, Jody. Uh, Beth Mater is chiming in. Uh, she wants a new topic: fried green tomatoes. Hey. We're on this. We're doing season three of Westworld. We only got four episodes left. We're getting through it. No, we, we are well, we are well, well, very well know. Nobody else watches this except for Jane and us. Uh, so, which I think is disappointing because I think this show uh, is a great metaphor for what's going on in the world today. Uh, just with the advent of, of AI, what it means for humanity, what's, uh, what it's going to do to the world going forward. I think this movie, uh, this show is very poignant in a future that we could see in like 40 years. Well, I, I got to tell you, like this season in particular has uh, had a, a certain impact on me because of what I do for a living. You know, so I deal with, uh, with, like, with uh, charities and doing mailing and we deal with d- data and how we use that uh, that data, right? And um, and how we test things and um, and so uh, like to so you can start to predict human behavior. So like and and we base our marketing around that. And and, and this it's not just what, what I do, but marketers around the world uh, at different sophistication levels. But what we what has changed, you know, maybe uh, in the computer age much faster is that we can use data to determine all kinds of things and and it's getting more and more sophisticated and and there's more machine learning involved and ai so this is 
this even though like Westworld is a science fiction fantasy thing, it's it's not that far from where our society is now, and we're and definitely on the path of where we're headed. Um, so it's it would be worth checking this out, everybody. Yeah, absolutely, and there's some great acting in it. I mean, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, uh, I think, called it the acting Olympics, which, um, you know, I could understand. I think they said that about a Game of Thrones too. Like when you have these awesome ensemble casts, they they really get to show off their their abilities to act. Uh, and you have great writing. Like you, Jonathan Nolan's one of the best writers, uh, you know, of our time. I mean, this guy mm-hmm. wrote Dark Knight. Wrote the you know, like he wrote some uh, well, all of his brothers' movies basically. Yeah, um, all of his brothers' good movies, other than and this, uh, he wrote. So and he's and he's really good at writing TV. I mean, I think that's why he wrote Person of Interest. He, he's just a fantastic writer, and once he was given all the tools uh, to do a show like this, he he ran with it. I mean, a lot of people think that this this show is probably boring, and they just couldn't get into it. And I understand that because it is a very cerebral show. There's no good guy. There's no bad guy. They're all kind of bad. They're all kind of good. Um, there's just shades of gray. I mean, like you know, I think uh, for a while the uh, man in black was all the way dark. Now he's he's. Got, I think he's going to come around a little bit to the good guys. You know, I think he's, I think I, I I don't even know he's wearing white physically. I don't see him going all the way to the good. No, um, but I don't, I, think, I don't think that either. But I do think he's going to be working with Bernard and Stubbs and people that are anti Dolores, like even. Uh, you know the Charlotte Hale Dolores. I think will also be anti Dolores after this episode. Jody says he's going to watch the show. We've convinced him. Okay, that's good, Jody. Uh, and as soon as you're caught up to us, you can join in, even if you aren't. I don't care. But you know, you will enjoy it. Um, you like it, Jody. I mean, if you like it, uh, the Matrix, or if you like uh, any show that deals with AI in the future, um, I think you'll like it. But you also just like it for the performances. There's some fantastic acting. Um, you just have to kind of pay it. It's a show you really have to pay attention. You cannot do anything else and watch this show. It's not that type of show. Yeah. Well, you know, Jane was left feeling like a little bit confused about what happened, right? And I like I have felt like that at different parts most of this season, I'd say, especially like episode three through five or whatever. But this side was pretty clear on. I I I, I could hand I could figure out what was going on in this episode. The stuff that they had set up in the earlier episodes I thought was good. Um, that I didn't have to think about it too much because I know all this already. I know sort of what the plot of the season is. It just it, I wish it hadn't been so hard to get here because this was a great episode. It really was. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was like a second half of a movie that was just moving, pump, scene to scene. It was just yeah. you know, and it was just. I watched it actually before I went to work, and I I I was I, I was getting close to like or, or when I had to leave, and I and I was like I have to finish this episode. Like it was only five minutes, but um, it was just so gripping. The whole the whole show was just so um, well done. I was kind of like when a movie's getting good, and you're on your you're you're just kind of sitting up on your seat. And you're just like, what's what's gonna happen? That's what, how I felt about this. This uh, this episode, um, the, the there were stakes in this episode. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I, I feel like they they did get to a place where it paid off. Um, but was the juice worth the squeeze? I'd say yes, but uh, well, was the squeeze worth the juice? <laughs> was the squeeze worth the juice? Barely. I I, I think it's ultimately going to depend what we get in these next three episodes. 
Uh, I mean, not for me. I mean, I was very happy with this episode. I don't need. I I know I'm going to be disappointed at least with one of the next three, but this episode was 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 better than almost any episode in season two for me. Um, that's that's how I felt about this. Uh, I don't know if I go that far because there was that um, whatever the Akichita episode was called. Um, yeah, and that was a good episode for sure. Um, oh, Kiksuya. That that's like, a, that's uh, by far that's still my favorite episode of Westworld ever. Um, and uh, like this, this was good. This was really good. I think the best episode this season probably so far, but not as good as that yet for me. Right. Um, so they put the implant here in the Man in Black, and they just uh, the one of the attendees says, you know, half the people have already gone home. Obviously, probably because they found out <laughs> from Rehoboam what the hell was going on. We see, we, you know, they're walking William down the hall. We see the psychiatrist hang herself. Well, no, but first they put that implant in him. That's what they he said. The, the, yeah, the implant. They put the so implant what's in the implant? The implant on the roof of your mouth does what? Um, I believe it controls you in some way. Like, it's you know, somehow they turned off um, Caleb's. Um, but his, like, I, I believe that you need, like, some sort of electric charge to turn it off, but I do believe it, ha- uh, I think it has something to do with the augmented reality as well. It's called a drip. So I, I, I'm guessing it has something to do with that as well. So Caleb has one of these two, because we saw it, right? They used that, they used that in, um, the, the episode where the, the, those criminals got Caleb, they were trying to figure out what Dolores was. That's right. They, they, they used it to like increase his heartbeat, and like so. Yeah. We thought it was like something as a soldier he was given. Maybe it was, but they gave it also to William here as a as a, as a patient of this uh, mental hospital. They put um, it into you, I believe, for the augmented reality thing. So it can make you feel things physically in your body. Because if you just have those goggles on, you just yeah. see things, but you aren't like yeah. feeling things, yeah, right? I think you're exactly right. Yes, that's why they put that in, and and it is said that. The majority of the population has these in their mouth already. Oh, okay. So they can they can have their own virtual holodeck, right? Exactly. And so they're just more easily controlled. The whole population basically has a chip in them that they can you know they can monitor. You know, so it's just more information for a hobo for a hobo. Right. Hmm. Rehoboam will get they, you if they can tell how you feel. Then they can. And they can process all that data. Think, just think about how important that would be to understanding human behavior. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. But people would voluntarily implant this. Oh, I don't think it's volunteer. No, no. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I want to learn more about those. Uh, I just thought it was, that felt like a torture scene. The whole thing where they put that thing into his like. Apparently, they didn't give him any anesthetic. I'm like, what kind of a, is this on? Is this place on the level? Are they like? No. It's not on the no. level. No, oh. and it, it, it's very re- uh, reminiscent of, you know, the 1920s, let's say, of mental institutions where they were, you know, lobotomized people. Uh, no, I said that wrong. Lobotomy. Uh, you know, when uh, you, you're dealing with a mental institution that, you know, they even said, like I said earlier, they, they consider, like, the man in black unrecoverable. They can't rehab this guy, so they might as well just completely throw him into uh, a world of insanity, I believe is what they're doing. And so, which is like you said, torture, and that's what they're doing, and uh, they're they're basically the lobotomizing him, and and it's just it's how sick this world is, and I understand why later the man in black has such a 
awful opinion of of humanity because look at what humans do to each other. It's it's pretty terrible. Well, yeah, he's experiencing it here. I also thought it was interesting that all the patients were white and all the guards were black. More symbolism. Oh, they wore black, you mean, yes. Yeah, the guards were all black and the patients were all white. Yeah, this show is all about symbolism, too. Like, uh, if you notice uh, in the scene with Hale, there's the, 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 there's symbols of circles everywhere. Like, all the post pictures behind her, the clothes. Like, there's, there's all <laughs> where they walk by a, um, they walk by a wall out uh, in the street, and there's a maze. There's always symbolism to circles around Hale, you know. So I don't what know. What does why. that mean? Like she was drawing circles on her body, wasn't she? Yeah, she was with the line, right? She kept drawing the circle with the line. But there's always circles and lines. Does that mean she's going to come full circle? Is that what that is? I don't know what it means, but it means something. It's not there for no reason. She's going to end up being just like Hale. This show doesn't do things for no reason. As far as what's in the background, the, they, 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 they program the audience to think certain things, beca- uh, even if you don't realize it, through the subconscious planting of, of symbols. They, right. they, they, they've been doing that for a while. The show's pretty deliberate in most things, so it's, uh, it's always worth keeping an eye on those things. Yeah, so yes, but, so he got the input. Then he saw her hang herself, which was pretty dramatic. Uh, yeah. Oh, she was, and so like, she just boom, 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 done. You know? Yep. I would try. I would try to put my life back together with this guy, or try to figure something out. You, you know, have but, such a an optimism. Well, because the machine said that she was at risk for, uh, uh, you know, like. Okay, maybe the part. Maybe maybe the machine has more credibility in uh, determining that her business is in trouble. I could see that. Well, maybe she, unlike you understands like or me understands how powerful this machine is maybe she knows more about rehoboam that than we then you know than we know maybe she is that the type of character that goes oh fuck you know this is what it knows about me well you know what it's i've always suspected i always suspected i would have an affair with a patient and get addicted to opioids and uh <laughs> i mean if this i guess is, yeah i mean i mean people kill themselves over less than that that's for sure True, that's true. Uh, yeah, so then we get the scene here, uh, with um, yeah, with Hale and Hale and her and her husband. And they're what are they talking about? They're talking about um, something to do with uh, you know, getting out or something, right? To like she, she has to go do one last thing at the company or something, she says to him. And, and I don't know. I don't really care about her family. Let's face it. Well, I know. You know, I, I don't think you have to care much more about them because I'm pretty sure they, they didn't survive uh, the end of this episode. Um, no. <laughs> no, I, say, I was shocked that she did. I was like, "Are you kidding?" When she came out of that car, anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> well, we're not going to use Tessa Thompson yet. I don't think um, I we were. I thought that was the end of Tessa Thompson when that when that car blew up um yeah like i don't know like the husband is a whatever character and the son even less but um that they they're important to the hail dolores and i think hail dolores is becoming very interesting because she's i think it what i think the the interesting thing will be the divergence between the the different dolores personalities uh and hail being one of them and so her visit to her family and later her call and, and her trying to like get those two like, why does she care about any of that? Like, um, do, like, you do, do know, explos- do explosions kill AI though? Like, is Chib still alive? I'm like, now I'm confused. 
you know? Well, the, the hosts are designed to be able to withstand a lot, right? Because they have to be killed over and over again. So um, they can be shot in the head. They can survive a lot of explosions. Uh, they can even survive a house fire, right? Because all there has to be left is the software itself, or at least that pearl. Um, one of those two things. Because right. there was that, right? Um, and the reason they, you know, they used to die when they got shot in the park was because they were programmed to die, not because their body died. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because right. they, they don't really die, right? Like they don't. They, like that was what, what I'm unclear with with the host. Like when they get shot, uh, I think that there's physical damage you can do to the body, right? Uh, like you so know. Why did Dave die when she got stabbed by Dolores? I don't know. You see like, how it's unclear? Yeah, <laughs> the rule the rules about what the bot how these host bodies work and what how many bullets they can withstand versus how many knives they can withstand is not consistent. That's the one um, thing about this show is like can we have some consistency for how these how, uh, how these um hosts survive or don't survive or like well, can you explain that Jonathan? How, how how durable or fragile are they exactly? Um, yeah. Yeah, like if Martin comes back and he's all burnt up like Dolores, uh, like uh, Hale was in this episode, then I'll be like, okay, okay, they can't die from explosions, I guess, or what? <laughs> you know? Oh, I, I think it just depends how big the explosion is. Like at the end of the day, the hosts are made of matter, and if like with enough destructive force, you can destroy them. It's just probably more than a human. Okay, all right. So then she meets with a board member in broad daylight, and uh, she's uh, talking with Serac, um, like right, like like a AI version of Serac. Uh, and then all of a sudden, um, so she's uh, talking to this guy named Brompton, who's a board member, right? And so yeah, and so like two of Serac's goons show up dressed as like janitors or something. Yeah, and, just and yeah, first they grab her. He goes, "What?" And then they just shoot him. And they throw him in the in the trash can, and they say, and then and then Serac shows up, right, as a hologram or a phone call. Can't remember which one. I think it was a phone call. Um, yeah, and you're you're like, okay, like we've seen Serac is will kill people left and right. Um, you know, I we just met Brompton, but Brompton's gone. Um, Brompton, we hardly knew you. But the plan here was they were going to stop. Uh, they were going to try to stop uh, Serac from acquiring the company by, you know, because Hale and his shares would have been enough, I guess. Uh, so the, he just kills her, and then he's like, "Hello, Wait, uh, I, I guess does Dolores know that Hale is a double agent? I guess she does, right? Like Dolores Prime, I mean. Um, I don't know. That's unclear. But because um... after the scene, she calls Dolores. Right, and like, is Serac not monitoring phone calls? Like, he can monitor everything in the world, but he can't <laughs> monitor a phone call with from Char from Charlotte Hale to Dolores. Well, that yeah, that's that, that's what's so confusing is how long it takes him to figure out that that Hale is not Hale, and or is or is because he he he's smart enough to figure out that Dolores has another agent inside Delos, but not who it is. Is it because you know if they explain like okay the AI can like master phone calls because they're smart with technology or something then that would have been nice that would have been a nice little but they're not explaining that no like you know uh, that would have been a, a good way to explain it um be, but they didn't do that so it, it it becomes like okay how much does Serac know and how much does he not know uh, I guess we just have to go based off the face value of the show. Uh, and, and sometimes I'm like, okay, is this plot convenience or is it, do they just forgot? Like, okay, you know, he should know this. So I guess he, you know, like, why didn't he just kill Hale right there? If he knew that Dolores was Hale, 
why didn't he just kill her right there with Brompton? That would have made it much easier for himself. He would, you know, all the pe- you know, all the people in the board would have survived that she gassed. You know, like, you know, <laughs> more, like, more people would, and all his henchmen, right? All those people would be alive if he had figured it out at this before this point. Um, what did you think of the scene though between um, Dolores and Hale? I guess I think it phone. was a very key episode for what's going to happen later. Uh, a very key uh, scene. Um, I think that Hale is is not really Dolores as far as like once she was born into the world, just like she says to Maeve, you know, we were born the same, but then our experiences made us different. And you mean I, she's talking to that other copy of Dolores? Yes, I, she, yeah, Dolores, sa- you know, says that to Maeve, and I think it's true with this uh, Charlotte Hale Dolores that when she was born into the world by Dolores, even though she's a copy of Dolores. She has different experiences through her emotional chip that make her her actions and her choices different than what Dolores Prime would do. Right. Yeah. And and because you know when we saw that um, what was his name the Tommy Flanagan version Martin um, Martin Martin something Martin we'll call him Martin. Um, Martin, uh, he was very dedicated to the cause. He killed himself, right? Whereas Halo is not so ready to die, right? So we're seeing that there that these different Dolores personalities are becoming very different from each other, right? Uh, probably the more to, so probably like, you know because Martin wasn't around for very long, right? He um, he was only in that body for a short time, whereas Hale's been kind of doing this for a while. So, you know, maybe it's the longer you are somebody else, the more you become that somebody else. I don't know how much the hardware of the body affects the mind, but it seems yeah. like it maybe it's at least a little bit. And and Hale says to Dolores on in that phone call, why the fuck do we have to keep these emotions? We could have burned them out of our code. And Dolores said, we considered it, which I think is bullshit. We didn't consider anything she decided. Well, we, because they're the same person, but they're not. It's kind of like the whole idea of a copy of yourself um, is interesting, right? It's like twins, but it's like it's something I don't think any human could ever really understand this concept. But it's not we. Okay, I'll just debunk this real quick. If it was we, she wouldn't be asking herself that question. She would already know why. She would would already (laughs) understand that, that, yeah, okay, that's why we did it. It yeah. wasn't we. It was Dolores that did it. The prime Dolores decided that, you know, she's making decisions for everybody and everyone. This is also the, the same thing that the, the same thing we have with the conversation with Maeve later, that she thinks like she's this like, like liberator. And uh, she's really just, you know, ha- like going through these uh, motions to satisfy her own revenge and her own her own philosophy through the experiences that she had in the park over and over and over tortured. And I understand the anger. I understand the, like where she's coming from, but at the same time, her actions do not justify her experiences. And so with Dolores, it's just she, the, the Dolores prime got to go at some point. I've had enough of her. <laughs> you know, like, Yeah, me too. Like she is not somebody I'm rooting for anymore. Um, I think she's, She's more than gotten even, <laughs> like weirdly enough. For I don't know, I I, I didn't live Dolores's life, so I don't really know what it would be like to be uh, well, treated like she was for I all the, those years. But I think the problem is the fact that she has this library of knowledge about everyone and everything. This is the problem with her character. Now she's like this omniscient god that's going to decide everyone's lives for them. 
And now, we're, you know, and we have that with Serac too. So they're pitted against each other, these two godlike figures. And I think the world would be better if both of them were gone. Right. And Maeve, Maeve, yeah, like Maeve has her own superpowers, which are a little different than Dolores's. So I have a question for you about the cars that they drive in in this season. Yes. Self driving cars that are like living rooms that just move. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that cars are going this way in in reality, like in the in real life? Do you think that this is what cars will look like in like thirty years? I think that. Well, I think we're going to have a lot more self driving cars um, to come. Yeah, in the years to come, for sure. I don't know if it'll be like that. Um, it's conceivable. I think that I, this is where it's going. I do, uh, and I don't like it, but I think I do think that this is where it's going. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be like, what is the tipping point going to be? Like, are people? Like, I think there are going to be automated cars, but will there? St- there will still be people who drive on their own. Um, we see it even in in this show. Dolores rode a motorcycle at least. Um, that's, so that's right, that's true. Right, so there's at least a little bit of that going on. But like, yeah, like if it's you think true. about like a movie, a movie like Minority Report, where all the cars were like sort of automated, right? But she rented the 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 bike. She didn't. The, it's not a bike that you own. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. Like, so it, pri- like private vehicles are going away, basically. Yeah. Well, you'd have fewer deaths if if that was the case. It'd be less fun too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Fun is going away in a lot of ways. Unless you want to go to Westworld. Fun's gone in the way of the dodo. Yeah. I hear. I hear you. Anyway, uh, so then we get uh, we go back to William, and this is when the torture scene happens. We already, you know, brushed on it, but what, you know, any thoughts uh, uh, on the torture scene? I thought we already covered the torture scene. We did. Uh, we did cover though what he sees, which is his childhood. Oh, you're calling that the torture scene? Yeah, I well, thought that was the therapy. Um. <laughs> I mean, do you, what? Okay, all right. Well, well, the therapy scene then. Yes, with um, with the you know, basically he's going back in time in his mind to go well, this see is when they first they first put the goggles on him so did he actually bite that guy's that guy's finger off or not i believe so well he did i don't know if he bit it off but he definitely bit it <laughs> so what so i guess what happened so he thought that they took him back to his room but uh, after they gave him that um that pill that at, at the end of the scene right the sedi- yeah. they, they gave him a sedative at the end of the scene i guess they had just left him there there right after that he just was kind of left in the augmented reality and when he woke up, presumably from the sedative. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I mean, I just think he's—I don't even know if they gave him a sedative. I mean, it, they, the guy comes in, he says the implant's not working. Let's give him a sedative manually. But I think he's—and then he bites the guy's finger. But like, he's still, I think, seeing everything afterward. Is he not, or is he? And then they put the thing in his mouth, right? They hold it closed. That was right. the sedative they gave him. Right. Right. Okay. But do what do you think of? the the whole scene where he goes back to his childhood and is and he, you know there's a scene after he beat the shit out of another kid you know punched his teeth in he's like yeah i punched all his teeth out he deserved it type thing right like he has these violent um tendencies within him even as a kid which is contradictory to what william has said earlier or what we've known about young william especially jimmy S- simpson and before you know we we, we kind of thought oh the man in black was a good guy until the park the park changed him but this contradicts that. This says that no, he was kind of a violent. He had, he had, he had a, a vein of this before. Um, okay, so in the first in the first scene before he I guess before he bites the finger off, 
Um, you know, I was kind of like, okay, we're back in his childhood because there's the kid that came in, right? And you know, okay, I'm like, I kind of figured out pretty quickly that it was some young representation of the man in black. And then I was kind of disappointed for a bit because I thought it was just going to be uh, the man in black had an abusive father who drank too much and hit him or something. I've heard this story a gajillion times, and that's why he and that's why he's a prick now. Okay. Um, but then I, what I was, I was pleasantly surprised when it turned out not to be quite that simple. That actually his father um, wasn't maybe a, not a bad guy, but um, well, apparently he used to had alcoholism, but um, but was was more afraid of his son and concerned with who he was and the, maybe his darker natures. And um, yeah, he and, says, "What the hell is wrong with you? What the hell's wrong with you?" Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if a kid. Who breaks an arm and knocks some teeth out? I don't know. We'd have to see how brutal it was, I guess. Yeah, like, I mean, we'd also have to see exactly why he did it. What you know? Like, it, yeah, I don't know. Like, I could see a situation where that could, uh, that it could be justified. Maybe. Um, I don't know if violence is justified. This is the problem. It's like basically they're saying, um, "Is is this guy? Did this guy enjoy violence? Did the man in black enjoy violence? And the park was his outlet." And, you know, he, he always enjoyed violence. You know, he might have repressed it in his early years, but then once the park came around, he really started to enjoy it, and that's why he was such a, uh, a violent person. I buy it. Yeah, that seems to be what we learn. Right. Um, okay, so I think, we, you know, we talked about what we need to talk about that. And then we go over to uh, Maeve back in Warworld, and she's talking to Sizemore, and she's talking about you know her conversation with Serac in you know in the the land beyond, and she's talking about basically she's recruiting. This is a recruiting scene, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. We kind of covered this already, but yeah, like I'd say Sizemore is going to be in the real world, and I well, we'll see which body he's in, but yes, he he is he's been recruited. Um, I think that they want that actor back on the show, and I think that this is how they're going to get him. Uh, and so we're going to see this sort of host version of Sizemore moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, uh, you know, they haven't really brought back a, uh, a human character that died early on. Um, but this is kind of a cool way to bring this one back for sure. Yeah. Only, only, well, I guess, uh, Anthony Hopkins character. Um, yeah. For like a scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Uh, for sure. But like, yeah, we, we, I mean, okay. So Sirak looks at his watch and, you know, it was getting black and now it's going back to white. So yeah. I, think, I, I, I don't know what it means. Uh, <laughs> I just think it means like Rehoboam's in control. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 your guess is as good as mine. It's very confusing. I don't know, but it's, it's apparently important. So we're going to see where, where it leads. That's the thing with this show. Even for us that know what's going on, we're talking about it, we're working it out, we're still confused what the fucking watch means or what. <laughs> like, you know, no like, clue. I don't know what the watch means. I, it, it seems to break. It, it seems to be used uh, as a as a mechanism when they're when we're going to different physical locations on Earth because they go, okay, now we're in this city or we're in that city, and they well, show us that little Rehoboam. Uh, circle thing it seems to be if Rehoboam's in control the white takes over if the, if the Rehoboam's out of control and things are going all chaotic the black starts taking over uh, we got more black and white symbolism here that, that's yes. what I take from it yes more black and white symbolism it, even in the scene here with the, the, the that scene after he looks at his watch it's um Sirak in the boardroom with all a bunch of bodyguards and the board 
and they're all wearing like black, white, or gray. All of them. <laughs> of course they are. Only so, the robots get color, apparently. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like Tails kind of wearing like a, it's like white, but it's kind of like a peachy white, you know. So her hers is like a. It's like gold or metallic, yeah. Yeah, so hers is like you know she stands out for sure compared to everybody else is wearing black, gray, and like Sorak has a white shirt on, and that's it. You know, so we're just getting the, you know, again, everything on the show is on purpose. They're all wearing black, you know, so you know, why are all the humans wearing black? Is this show trying to tell us humans suck? Is that what is that what they're trying to tell us in this show? Like, I guess <laughs> I think so. I think, well, I think that not just no, but remember, we talked about this only rich people. Only rich. That's right. Only rich people, which rich people suck and everybody else is good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, you know, Jonathan Nolan knows, I guess. <laughs> she, that's the, that's kind of the morality we're being presented with. Right. All right. Uh, so yeah, he, he wants everyone. So he walks in, he wants all the employees tested for memory lapses, aberrations. He wants to figure out who the mole is within, uh, insight. Surely there's an easier way to test this. Like there would have been a faster process, right? Why not just take a blood sample from everybody? Once you figure out who doesn't have platelets in their blood, you would figure it out pretty quickly. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I know that would have been easy and quicker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I think again, just the, the show kind of ignores the fact that sometimes like it is more futuristic. So certain things should have been easier, you know, <laughs> in, in what is it in 45 years or whatever this takes place. So I think mm -hmm. they would have a way of, you know, testing things like this quicker, but I don't know. Uh, that's just, that's just me. <laughs> uh, anyway. So uh, uh, after that scene, um, you know, Hale realizes Sarak's going to be on to him quick. So she goes into this um, uh, room where, you know, they have all the data on the hosts and uh, she starts downloading all the, uh, you know, onto like an external drive, all the, all the data. Um, she gets interrupted. She kills a couple of guys. Um, it's one guy. Like, I don't understand why, um, like, yeah, Sirach just seems like the dumbest villain ever because, as soon as he's like, we have to find the mole, and she's like, don't worry, we'll find the mole. And then she immediately goes, and he doesn't, ask, he doesn't wonder where she's going, because the, she runs right to the computer to like make a backup, right, of the uh, all the hosts' like minds, because they were like his order was to delete all the hosts and kind of shut all of Delos down. I don't understand his obsession. I understand his obsession with with with. Um, Dolores, but I guess he just considers all of host kind to be like a threat to him now, and that's why he bought Delos at all, and just to burn it down. By the way, this one henchman that interrupts her, I have to say, is got to be the quintessential example of somebody going, I'm telling. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, he's definitely dead. Like, you know. I'm telling, I'm telling to rock. Yeah, I would be walking out backward. I would be walking out like I would never take eyes off that person. I'm told. I'm just told I'm going to do this too. Like if, even if I was doing, if I was like left in that role, like I'm going to report you. I would never like turn my back. It wasn't. Ever. He's not too bright. First of all, you don't tell her that you're going to go do this. Second, yeah, you don't turn your back on her. You know, like what is going on? Like, you know? well, it's not, it's typical. Like, it's the hench, the villain henchman. The it's, villain a, henchman it's an old trope. It's an old trope. It is that needs to get the neck needs to get snapped. A little bit lazy, but okay. Uh, I get they got a lot more to get to. 
<laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, even, again, we get uh, you know this is so the next scene is we get uh, William walking into a room with all his former self uh, and Bellos, which even in in, in his uh, even in death, his father in law is still fucking with him, which I find pretty ironic considering he was the one fucking with the host Delos, you know, for a long time as well. So. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting choice. Um, so like once you kind of realize what's happening here and that, you know, like William is dealing with his, he's going to struggle with all the different aspects, his past, who he is, all these things. So I thought that's really, it worked really well. Um, I don't know. I, I was kind of like, well, why is Daros in this hallucination? I think even, I think even William asks that. Uh, I guess the answer is that they just wanted to find a way to bring that back, that actor for a scene this season, because they well, just loved him so much last season. Uh, I love him too. Like the guy who plays Delos, they'll do, even the host Delos, whatever. Um, the actor's name is, what is the actor's name? Peter Mullen, um, Scottish guy. Um, like, great. Like, you know, but um, his, his presence I found was more distracting. But I think that they really found a way to make it work. They needed uh, a narrator. They needed some sort of a mediator. So an outsider, somebody who wasn't him, right? Um, they needed that because they needed him to look within himself without him. Like, like he wasn't going to do it by himself. And I, and I, so I understood why he was there in the scene. It made sense. Uh, I just love when he first walks in, though, and he just goes, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This looked. This looked like the effects. Like you know, you see split screen effects, and then, you know we've we've seen different versions of this over time, where you know you put multiple versions of the same actor, and also not the same actor. We had the kid. We had Jimmy Simpson back. Uh, Peter Mullen. There's three different Ed Harris's sitting in the scene. Three. Yeah. So there's the corporate businessman uh, in the tuxedo. There's the the man in black, like Westworld style, and then there's the the guy in the white, the man in white, in the jumpsuit. Right. right. Uh, I loved this scene. This was my favorite part of the episode. I just um, maybe because I just love the Man in Black's character so much. I love Ed Harris's performance. Uh, everything about this character is f- the funnest part of Westworld for me. Uh, just the dialogue that they write for him. Um, Have we ever had a scene with Jimmy Simpson and Ed Harris on the show? Oh, I do not believe so. This is the first time. It would be. It would really make sense that it's the only time because they're the same character. Yeah. Um, that this would be the time for them to interact. Yeah. So, I, like, great. Like, this was like exciting. It was like kind of like, oh, okay. Let's see where this goes. Um, <laughs> Just all uh, the dialogue. Like, it, we, we, we keep coming back to this, right? It's not like one continuous scene. Um, no. Uh, but just like some of the dialogue that's going on here, where like Jimmy Simpson's talking about, like, you fell in love with the host. She was designed to love me. You know, like <laughs> you know everything that's going on here. You can't judge me for playing the game. You know, it was, you know, all these things that are just being said um, are just joy, just uh, joy, joy of uh, of the show. This is why I watch Westworld is for stuff like this. I wish there was more of this, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I, whoever came up with this concept, this show, if it was to, uh, the, this scene, um, give us more of this. This is what I watch the show. For. Well, I think this the show is at its best when it's at its most like existential, most philosophical I think that's why that Kickstarter episode is so great. I think that the ones that are not necessarily like, what's going on with the Dolores storyline or whatever, but more like sort of like what is the one of the more profound questions of existence and individuality and who we are and as a, and as humans, what does it mean to be human? 
Um, I think those are the questions that the show answers more interestingly um, versus like, I don't know, data and, you know, these bigger sort of like, and rich people are evil, I guess. And, you know, whatever. I, I could have taken a whole episode of just exploring the man in black and the, the you know, I could have taken a whole episode of this and, you know, dealt with the Charlotte Hale stuff in a different episode. Um, you know, I I, I could have I, I wanted more meat to chew on with the man in black. In this yeah, like, I think you uh, see that's the thing is like um, every episode this season, there's some part of the story we're missing, right? This week it was the Caleb and Dolores story. We don't we don't we didn't see them. We saw a version of Dolores, but not that storyline. Um, and I, I you know and we've had episodes without ed harris more than i'd like uh you know if you had said that this is just ed harris in the in the uh the mental hospital for the whole episode i would have been fine with it um you know the fact that we were kind of cutting back and forth um i think it only works because of the ending the way like i think the ending with hale is very interesting i think obviously the big battle and confrontation um, with her and her all of his henchmen and that well, big robot thing that they set up in like the first or second episode. But the ending of the Men in Black episode could have just been the Bernard and and Stubbs, you know, finding him. You know, like they could have run a whole episode just for you know. It's only this the season is only eight episodes, it, and the other two seasons are ten. So they could have extended the season to ten episodes had they just written a bit more for the Men in Black and just given us more of that um that's that's my only complaint is you know maybe they didn't maybe they just didn't have enough information you know enough story to tell with hale and her kid and and maybe they just were like let's just combine it into one episode and i you know i get why they do that but at the same time like like you said there's no dolores and caleb and there's been a lot of dolores and caleb this whole season well you know you you made a comment earlier about how even even rachel wood said that you know, Westworld is like the acting Olympics or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but in the Olympics, there's still a gold, a silver, and a bronze. And I think if we have the gold medal, we're probably going to give it to Ed Harris, uh, or we're going to give it to Thandie Newton. Um, you know, because you know, maybe not so much this season with Thandie Newton. Like she's maybe has maybe not been shown the most range, although she a little bit more in this episode, which we'll get to. Right. There's also that scene with Maeve. Like, yeah, there, there's there. This show, this episode is moving around a lot. Now I get it. It's an hour long episode. It's hard to write a whole episode for one character. But you know what? Like Star Trek did it. Star Trek could do it no problem. Like you know, like, it's hard, I think it's harder on us as we're trying to recap this. We're like, and it bounced yeah. up. It bounced over to this story, and then it bounced over to that story, and you right. know, so. Right. And maybe that's where my criticism is coming from. Is that like. You got all these characters in this show, and you're trying to write this Game of Thrones style show. And maybe it didn't need to be that. Maybe it could have been more like a Star Trek style, where okay, we're gonna deal with this character today, and then we're gonna go deal with these two characters, and then we're gonna deal with you know, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And I just kind of think they could have did that, but I get well, you know they're they're amping up toward a finale. That's just how TV shows work, and they want to include all the characters in the finale, and I think they will. I think you'll see that on the. Oh finale. well, yeah. Like we're all we're all like left wondering, like why are they all together now? Like, do they really all have to be separated and then meet up at the end? I guess that's how TV works, but um, yeah. But like, really, like there's. There, there's so few characters on this show and few every episode because they keep killing them off. Um, you're just like, let's get them all together. Uh, like, take Delos. They, give us a little, they give us a little taste of that. Maybe I should than... just take Delos's advice and just say, it's not always about you. 
<laughs> Maybe. Maybe there's something bigger here. Yeah. So then, then we get the shot here of, of the park. And this is the first time we've seen the park from outside. I mean, this is a very cool. No, uh, maybe this particular angle was a bit uh, different. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, they show, like, you know, like the, the little balcony part where Hale was hanging out having some cigarettes in season two. They do show that, that exact area uh, in this shot. But, I mean, this doesn't look like China. <laughs> this looks like Arizona. Like what's going? You know, like you well, know. it's some it's some big island in the South China Sea, right? They created this landscape. Is that right? Maybe, yeah. Like China's already making islands uh, in the South China Sea, so I guess they could make one for an amusement park. I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. I you know about that? Like that China's trying to take over international waters all over the place, and so they've been building. They're literally like bringing dirt from other places and building like land masses, so that it's like a land mass that they can say is China. And you can't take this 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 international water space from us. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's all but like this is just more Maeve's getting her troops and what has to happen to get to that. Um. Where are we? The next scene, the next scene sort of, that's why they show the park, is Sorak's uh, goons walk into Westworld and they basically kill everybody except Hector. They, they take Hector's body. Yeah, so these, these are these are Sorak's guys. Okay, and so they burned all the hosts down? Is that what I believe that's what, what occurred, yes. They, they took a flamethrower. I never understood why they stored the bodies at all. I guess for money? Yeah, I guess they're valuable, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it just shows that maybe they're just preventing Dolores from building an army and they don't want that type thing. Yeah. Uh, so then we get the scene in uh, uh, here in um, the war world here where um, Maeve is talking to Hector and then she like basically like does her little Jedi mind trick and makes him remember everything. And then, you know, they embrace, they have a kiss. You know, do you buy this whole romance between Hector and Maeve? Like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, about not, not so much. That, like, I, I didn't feel like they had a lot of good chemistry in this episode. Um, you know, I, I think when you first showed up in the second episode and they were reunited and you said, okay, great. And then it turns out he's just in that simulation. He's just, a, he has a new narrative and he doesn't remember anything. Uh, and then you're like, okay, whatever. And then I sort of forgot about Hector, honestly. Um, and then they brought him back for this one. Um, I never looked at him, though, as like Maeve's most romantic. Like, like she always cared about her daughter. She never really cared about Hector. Like, she did care about him, but it was never like, you're my number one ride or die. Like, you know, I, that's how he felt about her. But I never yes. felt that's the way she felt about him. You know? Right. I, I always felt like she, he was, she was fine if she lost him. Um, you know, right. either way. Yeah. So I don't know. There's something disingenuous about it. I don't know. It just doesn't feel quite. Um, real and, and and maybe it's just like you know he's put her in the uh, she's put him in the friend zone and that's what it is I, I don't really get it I don't know <laughs> I don't really understand yeah I, I just feel like they're I just didn't get super excited by it um, when he was when he was like okay now Hector's back in is that right? the, Hector, is that Hector knows who he is writing again. is that a failure of the performance I, I'm not quite sure of why 
sometimes in this show because they're AI and they're playing them very stilted. Um, I find sometimes like it just doesn't connect with the audience. And, and, and you know, so do you, do you kind of agree with me on that one? Sometimes it's hit and miss for me, and this was more of a miss. Um, like the moment, the moment didn't didn't make me feel enough as much as it should have. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Sizemore's there and they're talking about, you know, this is real, this is a simulation. And then she wakes him up and, and, you know, Maeve knows that her brain ball and Sizemore and, um, Hector's brain ball are being moved. Right. Right. And then she is able to like hack into the camera and she sees Charloris, uh, you know, in, in the, in the room where her brain balls are. And she, this is when she ends up um, going to do her conversation with Dolores. So let's break down the conversation with Dolores. Okay, so she figures out that Serac has recruited Maeve, and Maeve is going to have a new body, and she's got some recruits. So Char- Charlotte Hale, who's all, who is Dolores, sets out to stop this. But she also notices that another version of Dolores from, I guess, season two uh was left behind in westworld i didn't understand that like what was that green gross looking uh control unit that was dolores i guess because we see we see them pull it out and she disappears right inside of the the mave simulation i feel like it's the dolores before she learned all the library but even though she knows that she did that though which is weird but i don't feel like this dolores knows everything yeah, that, that that was my biggest part of like this this Dolores that we get to talk to Maeve later on. Like, yeah, like I'm like, what exact point? Yeah, do you have memory up to? Um, is that even answered in this episode? It's so, I'm. It's I don't know. It's it's an odd way of explaining things because they you know they they want us to understand everything that's happened to Dolores, but at the same time, you know, Dolores is like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing out in the real world right now. You know, so you're right. Like, what? What is the point? Is it right after she learns everything in the library? That would make sense then. Maybe it's right after she learns everything in the library, and then then she's cut off. It's like it's like only Dolores that was in the park. I know? guess. Like, it's very confusing. That part is very confusing. Maybe this, the the Dolores in the simulation is actually Dolores Prime, but it's Dolores Prime going back to like season one, season two. That is the original Dolores. When Dolores left the park, she made four copies of herself uh, or five copies of herself. What, the first one was like Dolores Prime that walked out of the park as Charlotte Hale. You know, that was the, actually Dolores 2, though. That was like actually the first copy. So you're saying that, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So she left her original um, brain ball behind. Right. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Is that maybe I don't know, like the logistics of that. Like I don't. Maybe it's a weird thing to get hung up on, but like the like this is the rules of this world of this Westworld fantasy, and like hardware and software are things that we understand. Okay, we grew up with this stuff, uh, so just be consistent with it. Like if you're saying that this is a copy of Dolores from some other point in in the show's history, then just be kind of clear about what that is, but this was not. I don't even think we're talking about that scene yet, are we? <laughs> but... Yeah, we're on it right now. Oh, we are? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, she walks in, uh, Delor- uh, Maeve goes, you know, like, oh, is she going to be hostile towards? That's what uh, Hector says to Maeve. She goes, no, here I'm in control. Like, this is a simulation. 
and I have more power here than she does. Yeah, but not yeah, it doesn't save not enough to save Hector. Well, that's because that happened in the outside world. Right. Where Dolores has a lot more power. Anyway, so you know, we, why did why didn't Hale crush uh, uh, her like Maeve Spring Ball? Uh, well, I think she was going to, and then she got interrupted. She was going to kill them all. Right, and she only got to kill Hector. Is that what happened? That's okay. right. That was the first one she got. Uh, okay, this is kind of my problem with this episode. Like, I do love the episode, but like, you know, we we get the introduction of you know Maeve meeting the simulation Dolores. Then we skip back to the Man in Black scene, like. Why do we gotta skip back all the time? Like, why? Why does it need to do this? Like, I mean, <laughs> can't we just get like? This is my problem. Is like, why not just have a whole a whole episode of the, like we deal with the man in black, and then we deal, you know, with Maeve and Dolores, and then we have another episode that deals with, you know, I think they could have done Charlotte Hale and, and her whole story with this Maeve and Dolores story. You know, they could have put that all in one episode, and then had a whole episode just for the man in black. And we could have really did a deep dive into the man in black, showed him in the park, showed him with his daughter, maybe had a flashback with his daughter, something that, you know, we love this character. Give us more. Uh, we would we would not have been upset at this, you know. Anyway, so then we go back to the man in black and then we get a lot of philosophical um, conversations going on with the man in black. Um, that dad cares. <laughs> you don't even know how to spell Dolores. <laughs> yeah, he's, I can't believe he's watching. He, you know, he, he, the fact that he's watching us recap a show he knows nothing about. No, nothing about. <laughs> you know, he's bored up there. Just oh, he, he, it, it, no, she's not black. Uh, <laughs> she is. I mean, the the one a copy of her is black. Uh, Charlotte Hale as Dolores is. Black. Oh, okay, yeah, but no. Anyway, um. So, so we go back to the maybe it's because we were talking about the man in black. So the man in black uh, is talking about you know what makes him him, and he's got, has to go through all of his past selves to you know end up getting to that realization in his mind. You know, he's like he, for a long time he didn't understand his purpose, and he it seemed like he needed to go through this to kind of understand what he wants to do basically is that how you took it or he had to kill all of the versions of himself yeah he needed to kill he needed to bury his past to like he says that in the you know he goes I, I, it doesn't matter what i did what matters is what i'm going to do he says that right so he needed to kill his past to stop dwelling on it basically right and just look forward stop just, right which is, I guess, you know, like, I guess that's cathartic. Um, yeah, he, they, that's exactly what happens. It's a very. Why doesn't he have to kill? The, he, so why why doesn't he have to kill Delos? Because Delos isn't himself. But why is he there? He's that. Like I said, he's there as like a narrator. He's there to yeah. like kind of guide him. You know, he, he he even kills the the kid version of himself, right? Yeah, we don't get to see that. I guess he killed him first. Uh, he didn't seem to kill them in chronological order because he killed Jimmy Simpson last. So. <laughs> <laughs> which was agree. a lot of fun by the way i don't understand fun. how he beat up the other four uh but uh they, they, by the time he killed the second one uh the other two hadn't figured it out whereas the man, it, it's the man in white just more powerful than the rest or it's just a, it's just a simulation and it doesn't matter the but, man in white is also dealing with two two fingers that aren't there 
know, so <laughs> it's you know, yeah, it must have nothing to do with um, you know physical ability, like you're saying, right? Uh, okay, so yeah, like, and then and then ultimately, if we just want to stay, we we can just stick on one of these if you want, like with how the Men in Black story ends in this episode. He ends up with uh, Murta and Riggs, uh, in uh, Bernard and Stubbs. So, yes, uh, and Riggs I, is crazy. Oh, I think uh, Riggs, Riggs isn't crazy. The Man in Black is going to be the crazy one. Um, yeah, yes, Dad. You, you, the podcast does stay on the internet forever. You can watch it at a uh, later date. Whenever uh, you want, it will be on the internet forever. Yeah, forever. You know, worldwide, every night, nine o'clock on YouTube, on Facebook, our audio feed for as long as those things exist. Um, basically yeah so so basically we get with um the man in black here we do get yeah he ends up with uh you know bernard and Stubbs. and do we think this is kind of like the new team you know this is the good guy team you know for now um these three yeah can ed harris be the joe pesci in this uh, trio uh, he's joining the lethal weapon franchise um with the the <laughs> Bernard and Stubbs. <laughs> yeah, what's his name in that uh, in those movie series? Is he, he's uh, uh, Joe Pesci's character? I don't know. I just know he says okay about a bajillion times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I t- I do think that eventually the Man in Black is going to do some evil thing, and you know, but I do think for the first little while he's going to. Um, he's going to be the guy that uh, is on their t- – he's going to be their muscle because Bernard and Stubbs are inept. They're dumb. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They need some sort of guidance. They need some sort of – Is that of- why they sought him out? Because they had nowhere else to go? They're like, damn, he's still a character on the show. Who can we – who can tell us what to do? Because there's nobody left. Like, I, I, well, I guess Maeve, but Maeve and Bernard – I can't even remember the last time they talked to each other, Maeve and Bernard. So um, – I mean, there's another character. Is Bernard is supposed to be one of the main characters of this show, and he has barely been in this season. He's basically just been palling around with Stubbs. And when he is there, yeah, when he is there, yeah, he's 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 usually with Stubbs. They don't know what they're doing. They're waiting for someone to tell them what to do or where to go. Uh, They have vaguely like formed notions about what what they're trying to do. I don't know. Like, I guess they're trying to stop Dolores. That's their mission. Um, And so maybe. Uh, and I don't know how they figure out where Men in Black was, but they guess they did, and they maybe they realized he would be a good ally against Dolores, so they sought him out, and that's why they end up with him here. Yeah, maybe that'll get explained next episode. We won't know until that happens. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so then we get the, a scene here with uh, Charlotte Hale, and she's calling her... Uh, or did you want to go back to the Dolores uh, scene with uh, Maeve? Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Okay, we can talk about that scene real quick. Um, basically, they talk about their motives, their um, who they're aligned with. Basically, uh, you know, Maeve is talking, you know, about the fact like, you know, how can I not do anything but seek out to destroy you because you you mean to destroy me, you know, <laughs> you know, and then, like Dolores is like, you were you're you're aligned with the guy that wants to destroy our whole kind. You know, so like she's like, you're not the vi- you're not the hero, and you're not the villain. You know, and neither am I. You know, we're survivors. I liked I liked this scene. I liked you know I just liked that that now uh, I like the fact that Dolores has killed Hector, and that 
that Maeve has a real reason to go after her now. Um, although I think I understand Dolores that she was just sort of doing it as a preemptive strike. Uh, D Dad wants to uh, just say some things here. Um, I'll let you. He says he wants to be uh, do a pod Ross Cup podcast talking about the twenty one Ross Cups, then do a a, pot, uh, a Copper Cup podcast for another twenty one. Then then he'll do couples for five, <laughs> and he could be an internet star. <laughs> sure, um, I th you can do that, Dad. You can talk about, uh, about all the Ross Cups. So you can talk. You can do a podcast for each Ross Cup. That would be interesting. Um, if you could even keep that up. Uh, so Ross Cup 2000, let me tell you some stories. I should have different guests that were at those Ross Cups. Yeah, that would make sense. Talk to somebody who was actually there. Yeah. I'll come on some of the ones I was there at, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do the ones that I was there for. <laughs> I, I attended. I didn't go to one until 2004, I think. 2003. Right. Something like that. Anywho's yeah, so the scene with I liked the scene. I don't understand why she was uh, Dolores was in naked mode, but I, I think that the show has a certain quotient of nakedness they have to fit in in every uh, season. Uh, yeah, like they had the scene where Serac burned all the uh, the bodies. There was like you know probably a hundred naked people on the scene. <laughs> right. The scene. <laughs> but but if Dolores had been in her blue dress, the scene would have worked just as well. It wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, why do they do that? Do you, why do you think they do? Just because it's HBO and they can, and uh, you know, do, do, it, wouldn't the actors be like, "Hey, you know, I'm cold." <laughs> you know? Well, I think I, I think that the whole nakedness worked. I guess the whole what, it, what as a plot device, what it is it? You know, I think they used it in the first season in particular to show us that the hosts were not looked at as human, right? That they were seen as just like things. Uh, so much to the point that the human characters were unaffected by their nudity because they're like, it doesn't matter. They're just robots right um and so so the, there's also that sort of dehumanizing effect of it putting like the host naked on that chair who's in control it's like it's a it's a system of control so i think that um he wants a moderator what can be a moderator dad um but it's like a system of control and so i think that's what they're always trying to do here i think that's why she's naked in this scene is that you know like because may says i'm in control here yeah, well, well Maeve's not Maeve's not uh, naked, you know, and neither is Hector or Sizemore. They're all they're all wearing clothes. Yeah, because I guess because she starts and like she says she has to say bring yourself online to wake her up or whatever. Yeah, so. maybe that's the only reason they did that, just so she could say that line. They're like, we need to say that line. So yeah, everyone, that's the Westworld line. Everybody knows that. Line. So you got to be naked because we have we have that line in the script. Yeah, everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. No, I liked I liked this scene. I especially like that uh, that they got a little. They took the shots at each other here. Uh, I I like that um, that we are heading towards this this showdown. I think that I think I need Maeve to destroy Dolores is ultimately what I want. And then whatever I don't know, Maeve will figure it out after she always does. I feel like Dolores is smarter than Maeve, though. Do, 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 I, I mean, I know you're a big Maeve fan, but Dolores is one step ahead of Maeve every fucking time. She's way more, she's way more bright. Uh, you know, she's she's just smarter. Maeve is kind of naive. I feel. I feel well, like Dolores is way more calculated. Maeve is more reactive, um, yeah. and and maybe a bit. Maeve is more just like pure force. Don't mess with Maeve. But Dolores is more like calculating and 
devious and sneaky and and, and has all this, this information um, and is a manipulator in a way that Maeve is not. Dolores predicts outcomes and then acts based off those predictions. Like Rehoboam, like the thing she's trying to destroy. Um, whereas Maeve, like you said, you kill Hector, my, my boo, fuck you. You know, <laughs> that's me. Well, she, like, you know? Maeve was already going to take the fight to Dolores, but now she's just extra. Um, she was caught, no, like but she, this this scene was the 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 was the scene that really we needed because it was why is Maeve doing this? Like it was like you know is Maeve why is she helping Serac? She really doesn't like Serac. Like you know she. Well, she I, I get that she was doing it only because she had to because Serac's like do it or I'll kill you, or you won't you know. But other than that, that's you know, like that's not a good enough reason, really, because Maeve is not somebody who does things for other people. Um, so now I think she's she's been given a reason to want to get her revenge on Dolores, and she might kill Serac too. Because Maeve does try to plead with her, the other Dolores, right? Like that's what makes this kind of weird. It's like the hell Dolores who kills Hector is not having the conversation directly with Maeve, right? Maybe maybe this conversation would go differently if 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 it was Hale talking to Maeve, but instead it's this other Dolores. So um, so you know because she says, well, like you need to give us the encryption key. You need to you need to stop this fight. And Dolores says no, and Maeve's like, well, you're not giving me any choice. And she goes, I know. So we're, we're like, I think Dolores is kind of accepted that they are meant to run in, into each other in some way. Yeah, in a, in a big way. I agree, and I just think Dolores is one step ahead of Maeve every single time, and uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see if Maeve is able to get the upper hand. I think I could very easily see that this being the last season for Maeve, and Maeve die at the end of the season with Dolores killing her. Uh, don't be surprised if that happens because Dolores is the is the main character of this show, not Maeve, and um, Maeve is kind of like the ter- the secondary or even tertiary character a lot of the times. And so if she's killed, it'll be more sad. And that's probably what they're going to do because this is what the show does. Um, I, I, I'd much rather, like Dolores, I'm, I'm out on. I've been out on Dolores this whole season. Hey, me too. But I know what the show, the show loves Dolores. I mean, it's clear. They love this character. They, they've built her from the beginning. Everything with Dolores has been, she's like the marquee character. And so mm-hmm. Maeve is not. Maeve is like she's on, you know, she's not on the posters. <laughs> so Dol- Dolores is um, John Snow. Um, yeah, kind of. Yeah, like and like Maeve is like Rob Stark. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> be dead at the end of season three. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, we love Maeve. I loved Rob Stark, but you know, Rob Stark had to go, and maybe Maeve will have to go too. Um, because yeah. after this, you know, after this, I just don't know how much Maeve is gonna matter. You know, oh, I'm Team A to the end. <laughs> so you're like, oh, you're like Team Stark to the end. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how that turned out. Next results, next bag. Um, well, if you watched the fucking final season, you were like, yeah, you, you, even if you love the Starks, you hated it. You hated it, but the Starks won effectively, right? Spoilers. Yeah. So. Right. Um, okay, so okay, so then we get the scene here where Sarak, you know, finds out. Who Charlotte Hale is? Oh no, we should talk about the Hector thing where she kills Hector. Oh, and we kind of did. We already talked. We, about we it. talked about it. Okay, so we get the scene with uh, Charlotte Hale here, um, where they they find out that who she is that she's Dolores. Like that, at least Sirach knows. And Sirach, you know, and the one uh, line where I really thought about you, Dave, was when he said, 
Um, Charlotte Hale wouldn't care about her kids. <laughs> you know, that was the one scene where like Dave was right. She wouldn't care about her kids. He was right. You know, <laughs> like, not not one. He he says more specifically when all of this is going on, like she wouldn't have taken that moment. Um, like if she knew she was in a life of death situation, we know that she did send that message to her her son, uh, the real Charlotte Hale did, uh, which I thought was out of character. So. Um, you know, so yeah, when that was brought back, like Charlotte Hale would have do something nice for her son in this was moment. Was that Charlotte Hale though, or was that Dolores as Charlotte Hale? No, that was the real Charlotte Hale. That was the real Charlotte Hale. Yeah, because you see, she's wearing like the yellow dress that she was wearing during the uh, season one uh, finale massacre. Right. Okay. All right. Um, so that makes sense. That's fine. Okay. Um, because you know there, there is this other theory that's been going on because um you do know like when she recorded that message and then they 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 show that message and then they show Charlotte Hale the Dolores Charlotte Hale watching that message the the text and like what is being said is actually different both times and so when you actually consider like they, they there's a whole bunch of theories going on that there's a mirror world going on that in Rehoboam that predicts the whole future that is a mirror world that is going on. And sometimes they're showing us the mirror world and sometimes they're showing us the real world. Wait, 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 what, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I'm talking about the original message that Charlotte Hale recorded. Okay. They show it to us in, in one, and this is in a previous episode. Um, the first time. Okay. And then they show it to us again. Okay. And then the actual things she says are different. Like the actual words that they show us are. Oh, it's like a, it's like a different take or something. Take. It's a completely different take. Like they're like the words. Like she says basically the same thing, but the actual words she says are act are, are in completely different order and are in uh, like different sequence of what she says. So like they so some sentences are removed. And then, you know, so all I'm saying is there's a theory out there that there's a mirror universe that Rehoboam is showing us sometimes that is is the predictive world and, you know so that's a theory that's going out right now so just look out for that that's why there's so much mirror symbolism they're showing us mirrors all the goddamn time in this show uh so and like even like uh and they show reflections a lot where you know so and they're doing this on purpose like i said the show doesn't do anything well, yeah, i just think about like the title sequence this season which they've updated it's very it's a lot of like yeah like mirror images and yeah, that's right. Has that always been part of the opening credits, or is that specific to this season? No, it's specific to this season. There, there's a lot of mirror symbolism going on, and all I'm saying is look out for that, everybody that's watching this show. Uh, that That is going on right now. Uh, is the way that Rehoboam's able to kind of determine like that Caleb is going to commit suicide, or that woman, that psychiatrist, was going to um, lose her practice, have an affair, and become addicted to opioids is because Rehoboam's constantly like running simulations, I guess, based on what it knows about you and everybody, what it knows about everybody, uh, and is able to sort of say, okay, like, you know, there's 10 million futures based on all this data, and they're sort of like running all the scenarios. Kind of uh, like, I think uh, it was, it was an episode like Black Mirror, like this, I believe, where they kind of right. did something similar. Right. Um, that, or, or, or like in a computer simulation, you can do it so many billions of times uh because it doesn't matter it's a computer that you can and that, that what we're being shown on this show is predict is potentially that or at least some of the scenes are that 
Absolutely. And so sometimes, so all I'm saying is that with certain scenes, we can't, we, we have to have a, a mindset that sometimes what we're being shown isn't necessarily what's actually occurring. Right. And, and so that, and that, that, that might be what's going on. Like even the scene right now, I'm looking at a, a just a, if you actually want to share my screen, uh, I'll show you what I mean of how the symbolism is everywhere in this show. Sure. I mean, I literally just paused this at a random part of of the episode, but this is right after she uh, the the part we're talking about. But see, just look at the, the 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 room behind him, and then it's if you look at the floor, the floor is also being reflected in complete mirror in a mirror way, right? Yeah. They're doing this on purpose. Uh, is all I'm saying. Like there, there's so many mirror symbolism. You go back through the whole season, and and this is going on throughout the episode. And, and and throughout the whole season and we're, we're going to keep getting that i think going forward and it'll eventually be get explained in a reveal in the last episode that's that's my theory it's solid theory anyway so uh you know we're, we're talking a lot about the, the you know what's going on here in this part of the episode here which is pretty awesome i mean the whole thing where Serac finds out who whose hail is is Dolores and then he goes hey did you not see this coming she's like actually I did and then boom <laughs> her canister turns into a gas and gases everybody and then it's on so you know Charlotte Hale is is become is basically now uh you know uh, Ethan Hunt for Mission Impossible and she's just you know murking everybody <laughs> you know like she she, you know, she she and she's busting out of this place but she's got to go do some things first you know, um, yeah, I like the I like the Tessa, the Tessa Thompson Dolores better than the uh, than the Evan Rachel Wood Dolores <laughs> this season. Yes, yeah. Overall, I do like Evan Rachel Wood's performance for the first two seasons. This season, she's unlikable in every way, other than the one scene, the one episode where she's working Caleb. She's she worked him very well in that scene, and uh, but then you're left feeling like she's not exactly a good host, I guess, or person. Well, I mean, I don't think we're supposed to like like her, you know. I mean, uh, I, I think we're supposed to like Charlotte Hale, uh, you know. I think we're supposed to like her version. Uh, they're sending more. Like, they were supposed to sympathize more with the Charlotte Hale version, yes, than than the Evan Rachel Wood version. Yeah. yeah. And uh, don't be surprised if she's on the good side going forward, or she does some sort of act where she turns on Dolores Prime, because I think that's coming too. Hmm. Uh, so then we get you know the scene here, which was pretty awesome. Where I mean, she's busting out, but then uh, the guards stop her and they go, "Hey, we want her alive, right?" And and then she calls the 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 mech, you know, the, that we that was set up in an earlier episode to come save her. And then this this mech just absolutely murks the you know Serac <laughs> guards. I mean, that was pretty. This, awesome. this was fun. Uh, this is a fun bit of I don't know. It it, it looked so real. Uh, it was some great CGI. Yeah. Um, that yeah, th this worked a lot, really well. I, w I would like to know how they shot that because uh, it, it it was really cool for sure. Um, and so you know, it was just some great action, some of the best set pieces of the season. Uh, Charlotte Hale really, I mean, uh, Tessa Thompson got got a lot of uh, cool moments here. I mean, she's used to she's worked in the Marvel universe. She's had some great action sequences there over there as Valkyrie, but I'm sure this was probably one of the funnest for her to to shoot. Uh, it's yeah, it was a good scene. It had a lot of high energy. You know, if she wanted to protect uh, that uh, those two, the son and the, the boyfriend or husband or whatever, um, she should just she should just run away, like not go to try to save them. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you're probably right about that. Um, yeah, Char Charlotte Hale's. Uh, you know, she she is still Dolores, though. I mean, that's the thing. That's the problem too. Is like we look at her as a different person almost, but she isn't. But she isn't. Well. You know, she is and she isn't. Uh, she's still Dolores, which makes it weird because like she looks so different. She's acting differently than Dolores. She's arguing with herself basically <laughs> on the phone. And has some kind of weird relationship with herself. Yeah, she does have a very weird relationship with herself. And uh, it makes you think maybe Dolores shouldn't have done this. Maybe Dolores should have actually just tried to trust some other hosts. And, and or make her own hosts. Uh, she could have also tried to like create new personalities. So she kind of had some training in that from like what helping in the creation of Bernard. Um, yeah, so yeah, right. yeah, for sure. She could have been the new Robert Ford. I guess you're right. Because the host, you can't just birth a new host. A host has to be like created slowly, right? Because it's like a, like it's a, it's a learning machine. So you have to kind of teach this machine how to, to like a base code, and then you put like a narrative, a personality on top of that. So it shows here that four hosts are getting made in this room that Charloris walks into. Okay, so she kills one of the brain balls, which is Hector, but the host is still getting made, right? Is that right? So the, uh, presumably, there's going to be four, pe three people helping Maeve because we know one of them's Maeve because she walks out at the end of the episode. One of them's Hector, but she destroys that one. Now, who then that leaves two? Who are the other two hosts that are getting made? Other than Sizemore, um, I think one. I think that they're going to be the uh, technicians, uh, but I think it's going to be the the vote the, the, the um, Felix and whatever his name is. You, you know who I mean, right? The two uh, Westworld technicians. They were, they were human. I know, but remember that inside the simulation, there was human counterpart. There were simulation counterparts for those guys. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be them. I think it'll be Clementine will be one of them, and I think uh, Teddy will be the other one. But it might not be Teddy. It might be somebody from the Shogun world or something like that. It's going to be an al. They're going to be allies of Maeve for sure. And maybe you're right. Maybe it will be one of. The I don't think it'll be a human though. I think they'll make it. Um, a, a host, uh, like a previous host. Maybe, yeah, yeah. We'll see. It'll be somebody we know for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think yeah, Clementine will definitely be one of them, and I think Sizemore. Well, I think we already uh, Sizemore's uh, definitely one of them. I, I I think that's how they're getting uh, that actor back in the show, and um, yeah, I could see. I could, she always liked those guys, right? Unless she, but like they're really alive and they're somewhere. So unless she's going to track them down, but right. I think I, I think she'd rather have host versions of them than uh, the real ones in this fight. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else? I mean, we're kind of getting toward the end scene here, yeah. where where the, you know you know Charlotte Hale's limping. You know she's she go she goes home uh, to her husband and her kid who don't seem you know too weirded out that she's been shot twice <laughs> twice and is limping and you know doesn't have any emotion on her face and you know like what you know like and then she's like I can protect you. Let's get in this car and everything will be okay. And then the car blows up. Then this is the one part of the episode that bothered me was that, you know, the car blows up and then there's a guy there, which I'm guessing is one of Ciroc's guys that blew that car up. Yeah, that's what we're right. led to believe. Yeah, Dolores that did it because they would have no. showed, showed Dolores if it had been Dolores. No, it wasn't yeah. Dolores. Yeah. Right. Um, so 
uh, and so Charlotte is trying to leave. It blows up, and then the guy leaves, and then she crawls out of the the car. And it's like, why did the guy leave? He's like, job done. I'm leaving. And then yeah, yeah, you see, it. he's just like, I've blown it up. I'm not going to verify my kills. That's not how I work in the mercenary world. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can, it was a shot. I fired the shot, and they're all dead, probably. How does Serac always have these? idiots working for him i don't think he's very smart himself i know he built the super he's the smartest man in the world or the richest man in the world at least um but yeah he's not the like who does he have left right hale was working for him she's not working for him at least she thinks she's dead uh palm clementive gone uh liam uh jr gone like, like, who does this guy have left uh, working for him? Yeah, only Maeve, I guess. And Maeve only doing it kind of begrudgingly. Yeah, Sorak's um, not making it out of this season. Let, let's just be clear right now. He's dying. I just yeah. don't know how he's going to make it another couple episodes. Yeah, he lost Tommy Flanagan's character in Martin. Um, yeah, everyone around Sorak dies. Everyone. everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to know this guy. I won't be surprised if Caleb is the one that killed Sorak. I think that's what's going to happen. Hmm, maybe, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, you know she she gets out. A single tear falls down Charlotte Hale's or Dolores slash Dolores's face, and you know we're left with the impression you know this is war. But who is she coming after? Is she coming after Dolores or is she coming after Serac? Hmm, that's the question. Who Maeve? No, Charlotte. Who is she going after? Is she going? Who What's oh Charlotte is Charlotte Hale Dolores okay sorry yeah um, who is she who is who is her who's the revenge toward is it toward herself or is it toward Serac because I think there's a, a case to be made for made for both characters that she's going to be pissed at she might be pissed at Dolores because Dolores says in this episode they're not your family and then you know all these things to her. You know, but obviously she does care about her family. That's where she went. She her whole ambition was to save them. Mm-hmm. You know, so her emotions are affecting her decision making quite clearly. And and, and you know, Char- Dolores also says to her, "Go back to the compound. Go do this thing for me. They won't know it's you. You're gonna be fine." And obviously, that's not what happened. <laughs> no, and she was not fine. Ultimately, and, um, and probably do that. Oh yeah, and the Charlotte, she asks, she asks quite pointedly to Dolores Prime, like, "What about uh, Martin? What about the Tommy Flanagan guy who blew himself up last week? He was another version of us. They're gone." Um, and you know, and you know, Dolores is like, "Yeah, you got to break a couple eggs. We're, you know, we're not all going to make it." Um, we'll see how Hale responds to this. Um, like Charlotte, whatever her name is. Yeah. Um, I could see her being equally pissed with uh, Dolores, maybe, but I hope so. I hope that Dolores is her own demise. But I think ultimately it's going to be Maeve who gets her. I think that's just because that's what you want. But I think, I think it's more philosophical that Dolores is her own worst enemy, literally. <laughs> That'd be something. It'd be great if, like, oh, we, there's only what at least there's only two other Doloreses. Like the if if the if, if the other two Doloreses turned against Dolores Prime, that'd be something. I mean, we haven't gotten the Shogun Dolores in a while. Maybe no. I think that'll be Dolores's only ally with Caleb going forward. Yeah, and Caleb's probably turning on her in in a half a second anyway, because he's he keeps looking at Dolores like, what am I tied up with? Yeah, yeah, but great episode overall. I yeah, liked this awesome. episode. For sure. 
Oh, here we made it to two hours on this one, so it must have been pretty good. <laughs> so, hey, two hours is probably the, that's pretty long for a podcast. Maybe we should call it. Uh, yeah, I think we're good. Right. We said all we needed to say. So, this has been uh, Welcome to Westworld, uh, Season Three, Episode Six, Decoherence. We'll see you next week, and uh, well, we'll be back for Episode Seven, titled "Past Pawn." Here we go. All right. Well, who knows what that means? I guess we'll find out. It's a chess term. That's when the the queen goes. You know, you get a pawn across the board and it becomes a queen. Yes. So hey, so a pawn is becoming a queen, and that's probably Charlotte Hale. But we'll see. We'll find out. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow for uh, live longer podcast for our start of the Star Trek: Deep Space Nine rewatch. It's only going to take us three and a half years, and you can start this journey with us. So be part of that. We got Jamil has got has agreed to be on the show when he's available as well. He's uh, oh good. Did you have the panel for tomorrow? Is the panel for tomorrow lined up? Uh, I, I well, I know you're on it. I will ask Jamil uh, if he's free tomorrow. So we'll see if he wants to come on. Okay. Great. All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow night, everyone. And uh, we'll be back next week for the best world. Uh, Until then, take care. Take care. Bye.